This morning we'll be in Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And I can say three years later, it's much better to do this in person than rather over the phone. So that's good. And so this morning I want to shout a little extra uh, at the Lord a little bit. So uh, it is good to be here with you. It's good, you know, that crisp feel of nice, cool air out there. Some of you that may be man, right up your alley. Some of you may be like, that means winter's coming. So, uh, But maybe we can enjoy it a little bit longer uh, as we approach. But, you know, we have life, and life can be difficult. Life is hard. Uh, but we also have a lot of blessings that go along with it. And I think that uh, one of the cool things is I studied this morning uh, for our lesson in looking at, uh, continuing to look at where God speaks directly to people. And, uh, you know, my running idea here is, I don't, I don't know this, as we study these things, it seems as though that there are less and less accounts of God speaking directly to someone. You know, I'm not counting visions and I'm not counting, you know, kind of different ways in which he speaks to people. I'm talking about hey, here's a message from me, here it is. I'm even really not even talking about angels that deliver the message of God, but this, this conversation that happens. And I think that there's several that kind of come to mind, and we've covered a lot of them with Abraham, obviously Moses, uh, you know, in that discussion, several discussions there, speaks to Moses as a, as a friend, you know, so that's kind of a boggling thought. Uh, but what I came across this morning in Genesis 25 is that God actually speaks to Rebekah before Isaac. They actually have this kind of, at least recorded, right? We have what we have recorded, and then we have what happens. Uh, it's kind of like as I'm teaching history, you know, the people who win the wars are the ones who write the history books. And so you always, as I tell my students, you always got to go in understanding that the people who win oftentimes get to record the way it happened. And, and, you know, what we have is not every minute detail. What we're having in our society and in the world today is, you know, I hear all the time, well, you know, why didn't we cover this in history? There must be some nefarious reason. And maybe so to some level, but there's also a time constraint. I mean, I've got uh, freshmen for an hour and a half every day. You know what? We don't cover all the details. I have to remind them over and over again, hey, guys, this is not everything that's happening in the world. We literally have to hit the high spots. Uh, in a large degree. Now, do your own work, right? I mean, we, we've never lived at a time where information was so prevalent. It's just we also live in a time where people don't even know where to go get it. And, that, and I think that that's a large portion as a teacher is to teach them how to find the answers just as much as, if not more so, here are the answers or here's what we have. And so as a preacher... That's even more so, right? I want to whet your appetite so that you'll go and search. And so this was something that kind of jumped out at me. I mean, I knew that this conversation happened, but I didn't quite understand that it was like prior to God, as we have recorded, speaking to Isaac. And so we get into chapter 25, and we look at verse 19. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Paddan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean, which, of course, will be important later on. 
And then we find that Isaac pleaded, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Now, I want you to understand, you know, a lot of times we wish that God would just speak directly to us. And I'm not in the business of telling God what He can and cannot do. That's not my job. And if I ever tell you that, and it's not something that God said, I'm not going to do that, you need to correct me. Because I I don't want to be in that business. God is God, and God does what He wants to do. And unless He's told us He's never going to do this, then I I try to limit my, hey, God's not going to do it this way. Right? And so uh, what we have to take into account is God controls all time and space. Right? And so sometimes we may be going along, you know, three years removed from leukemia diagnosis. Man, I can see that journey and that path where there were things put in place that in the moment I didn't really dignify as some major happening. But it's not wrong to look back and go, I can see where God was working and I can give Him glory and honor. But it's also not wrong to see it in the, the time, right, as it's happening. Sometimes we get that nice little peek behind the curtain, if you, if you might say. And so Isaac is pleading with God for his wife. And he answers, maybe not verbally, but in this answer. And a lot of times, we would prefer the action to a verbal answer. And then we get into stuff that I don't quite understand, right? But the the two children struggled with each other in the womb, so she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? Now, I can't even imagine what it would be like to carry a child, much less two. You know, I imagine there are times in, in that process... Uh, where there's a lot of commotion in there, right? I don't even know exactly how all that works, you know, and I'm not sure that I want to know. But I imagine, and I've seen, it's a pretty difficult thing. So then you put two in you, and uh, they're not getting along. And uh, that would be a problem, I would assume, uh, that you would recognize. And so she goes to the Lord and asks. Now I want you to understand that there are people in the world today who look at our Bible and go, oh, what a sexist terrible, awful book. And here we have in the first few chapters of this thing, think about the culture and the context that this is written in. And a woman goes before God and wants answers. And guess what? She gets them. She gets them. Not the husband to the wife. She gets them. And so I think that there's a tremendous example in Isaac and Rebekah that is almost because... They seem so obedient. Now, we obviously, it doesn't take long, we get into some chapters where Isaac kind of repeats some of the same mistakes that Abraham does. But it's almost like we get so little of their story because there's not a whole lot of, maybe I can use the word angst there. Like, I don't know if it's a trust thing. I don't know. We just don't get as much. So we get Abraham and we get chapter after chapter after chapter. And we get Isaac and we get a few chapters. And then we get Jacob, an old boy. Do we get Jacob, right? There's a whole lot of going on there. But it's almost like there's something to this. You know, later on we've talked about this, how you know Noah's not really viewed as a Jew because he doesn't argue with God. 
And he doesn't, he's, God shows up, build me an ark. Okay, how big you want it, how you want it done, let's do it, you know. And then you get Job, and you get uh, Abraham, who we discussed, discussing with God and kind of arguing with God and trying to bring his number down, and let's go back and forth. And so I don't know if that's exactly how Isaac is, because we do have some things recorded, but he's kind of, in comparison to a lot of people in Genesis, a blip on the radar, and it's almost like, way to go, man, you know. It's like, Way to go. Like, I've got students who come to class and you never have to call on them because they just do what they're supposed to do. Now, those are far and few between. And I'll tell you this right now, Travis Creasy wasn't that guy, right? And and I'll tell you right now, Daniel Creasy ain't that guy, right? You know, uh, that's just the way it is. And, And I'm not that person, but I know some of them. We don't even, some people, you don't even need a handbook, right? They come in and they make the teachers look bad. You know, they just come in and they do what they're taught to do. They obey, they're obedient, they go about, and every teacher in here says, that's few and far between. And they make their mistakes. And so it's almost as we read, we kind of see this like, you know, the guys who kind of go along to get along don't really stir up a whole lot. However you want to take that, you know, and I may be completely wrong as I read other chapters. Man, you know, you see this play out, and guess what her response is? Or the response is, it almost comes like poetry. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations from the very beginning. The two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. And the first thing that happens to me is, man, how tired has he got to be? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm 40 and whoo, it takes everything I got. Now you got two of them, right? So I'll just throw that personal opinion in there. You can take it with, you know, grain of salt. But man. Here we have this struggle, and they're struggling in the womb. We haven't even let the uh, variables of the world hit yet, right? And so, but I think that when you read that, you kind of have to understand that as we get into that story of Jacob and Esau, when Isaac is about to pass on the blessing, we now kind of understand why Rebecca goes along with the plot. You know, I can remember reading the text and going, man, how could you do that to your husband? Of course, I'm a husband, right? Like, how could you do that? Well, we've heard from the Lord. And I think it goes back to our reading this morning. There's several times where David and really the heroes of the Bible do things that we're like, what? Like, what is going on? But then we also understand that David is the anointed of God. And I think that there has to be some level of understanding that when you're the anointed of God, there is a lot of liberty there. I've had people, students, come, how do I know that I'm serving God? And I said, listen, with the Holy Spirit, serving God is mobile. It's called where your feet are, right? We want to go and accomplish these great things. We oftentimes put too much, I don't want to say value or importance or maybe hype. You know, Travis gets up there and preaches every Sunday. There must be something special about him. No, I just got a lot of hot air to share. Right? Any, any of you, you guys could do this, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. And so we sometimes put that, you know, I just don't know what to say. You're the anointed of God. If you're a Christian and you are in Christ, 
and you're doing the God-loving, neighbor-loving thing to do, you're serving God right where you are. And sometimes it may be acting like a madman, right? Uh, but it's almost like that, that idea of, well, you're the anointed of God, and you're doing something for the kingdom, and it's kind of like weighing the... That's how you weigh it. You know, now motive isn't everything. Obviously, I'm a husband, right? Motive, you know, I may have the best intention, and it just comes out terribly and awfully wrong. I put my foot in my mouth many times trying to do the right thing, James. I've done it a thousand times, and I'll probably do it a thousand more. But God does have a level of respect for that. You put a little, I'll say this, hustle in your bustle, right? You're, you're out doing what you can, but also understanding that the power comes from God, right? And I think that's something that's pretty unique about several people in Scripture. And I think you see this here, that there's a level of, and we see it over and over again. You know, you look at Peter who, man, I mean, I don't know if you could get somebody who sticks their foot in their mouth. I mean, he's like the poster boy for all preachers everywhere, right? It's like we, we just put the, you know, it's amazing our mouths aren't shaped to foot size, you know, because we just do it all the time. And then he has these passages where it's like, you know, cast your anxieties on him for he cares for you. This coming from a guy who, denied Christ, who heard the words, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father. And yet, here's this level of forgiveness. So I think it's a balance of being still and knowing, which is one of my least favorite commands, right? Because it's hard for me to be still and to know. But I think the key there is the knowing. The knowing and trusting that God will do this. He will. He will deliver you. Now, is that deliverance exactly in the package and in the way you want deliverance? Maybe not. It's a powerful thing for Christians, and we have many of them who are dealing with sickness right now. It is a powerful thing for us in the midst of our difficulties to cry out to the Lord and go, I know that you will deliver me. Three years ago, I went in the hospital, and I knew that God would deliver me one way or the other. Now, it might be in a pine box. But what was in that pine box wouldn't be held to this earth. That's power. Now, whether you know how to eloquently share that with anybody, that has less and less to do with it. It's about telling. It's about sharing your story. Isn't that exactly what's going on here? Moses, when he writes Genesis, he's sharing a story that he feels connected to. And I think that that's the power of the church is a connection. Is it always perfect? No. Rick will tell you we don't always know what we're doing until we're doing it. Right? And you get, we don't hide that from y'all. That, that's probably the coolest thing. Is That's not hidden from y'all. We'll tell you. Hey, we don't know what we're doing. We'd like your input. We'd like your feedback. There's nothing special about us. It's all about God. And that's what we see in this story. God says, this is how it's going to work. Rebecca plays her part, however you feel about that. But she had to feel like some level of a permission to do what she did because she did it. And so this morning, I want you to understand that you have permission to be vulnerable. 
And that's not a permission that I grant. I don't have that authority. I don't have that power. I don't want that power. I'm just telling you what the Scripture tells us. God can do immeasurably more than you can think or you can imagine. And trust me, I have a wonderful imagination. I love my imagination. It gets me in trouble a lot of times. But it says He can do more than that if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. So this morning, we're going to have this opportunity, share time. We do it every week. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I've, I've never had that done anywhere else I've ever been. And that's going to be your opportunity to be a little bit vulnerable, to be excited. I, I oftentimes feel silly about all the things that we celebrate now in our house because three years ago. But then I remember God wants that. I remember David dancing when the Ark of the Covenant came in. And I'm like... Well, I haven't done that yet, Whitney, so I think we're good, right? We're going to keep it that way, Dr. Rushing. We're going to keep it that way, all right? Uh, you know, and, and so, but, so there's, that, there's that ceiling. You know, I hadn't passed the David level yet, so let's go ahead and enjoy. Maybe that's what you want to do today with share time. Or maybe it's one of those things where things aren't going so great. Did you know that God already knows that? God knows it. But He wants you to share it. He wants you to share that burden. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. A yoke is easy. You know what a yoke is? It's an assistance tool. I may not take it away from you, but I'm going to walk with you through it. I've experienced with this church. This church loves the opportunity to walk alongside you through it. So this morning, if you have a need, and I mean of any kind, we serve a God who can fulfill who can come through in the clutch. In fact, he relishes the opportunity to do just that. Or maybe you just simply need somebody to walk alongside you. Maybe you, your share time is this. I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to do. You know what? That's okay as well. We'd love the opportunity to love on you, to lift you up, to encourage you. This song that we're about to sing is to encourage you, to maybe give you that emotional boost, to share something that maybe is going to be uncomfortable to do so. Uh, but we would relish the opportunity to help you in any way we can as we stand and sing.